Welcome to the Nopal Queens podcast. This is your chingona, La Sirena, a licensed clinician and higher education professional. Hola, and I'm La Estrella, and I'm a first-gen financial inclusion and brand marketing leader and badass queen. And here at Nopal Queens, we serve up real conversations about mental health and wellness from the Latinx perspective. Come on in, familia. Están en su casa. Hola, gente. This is La Sirena, and we are back for another episode. This is season three, episode four, and I have a very special guest with us today. So um, I wanted to introduce to you, we have Dr. Jaime Regosa, and he's an empowering life coach, author, speaker, and podcaster who helps professionals unlock their full potential. Jaime has developed proven strategies to help himself and his clients become standout unicorns in the corporate world. We are here for the unicorns. His proven strategies build the skills for peak productivity, effective communication, time management, who doesn't need that, and task prioritization. And his innovative approach shows new and burned out professionals uh, to help their productivity, leverage their talents, and become invaluable key key players, aka unicorns, uh, in their organization. And he helps them also achieve career success without sacrificing the work-life balance. So welcome, Dr. Jaime. Hello, hello. I'm super excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Great. We're happy to have you. And of course, I couldn't do this without my wonderful, amazing co-host, La Estrella. Hola. Hola, Sirena. I'm uh, really excited about today's episode and welcome Jaime. I'm really excited to um, unpack some things with you uh, during this conversation and looking forward to flowing with both of you and getting on a good vibe. Yes. And so listeners, you're probably wondering, okay, so what is the episode topic? (laughs) And uh, we didn't want to get straight into it. It's a mystery. (laughs) It's spooky season. (laughs) Mystery for history. Uh, But today, actually, we're talking about something near and dear to all of our hearts. And really, I couldn't imagine having this conversation with anyone else except you both. This is a um, delicate, but also very much needed conversation. Today, we are talking about suicide and suicide awareness. And as you know, in September, it was Suicide Awareness Month. Um, So we're kind of following up on that here in October, uh, just to make sure that it stays on our mind. It's not just something that's talked about for that month, and then we're over it. Um, So we wanted to keep the energy. Um, And we know that holiday seasons are coming up, and that can be really stressful. So we want to just get to this topic early and invite all of our gente to start managing their self-care. We care about you. All of us matter. Um, our existence is resistance, right? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So I wanted to do a quick check-in, though, how everybody's doing. Um, and maybe just like, you know what? I was thinking about the other day how we don't normalize that we're not um, perfect. I think we have this hustle culture where mm-hmm. we just always have to be performing and, you know. Go, go, go. Exactly. And like being amazing. But 
I think that there is a balance and I think that's real. So today's check-in for all of us is this week, what was the shine for you? But uh, we'll start with the struggle. What was the struggle for you? But then what was the shine for you? So let's have you kick it off, Dr. Jaime. Sounds good. So for me, um, I had a really stressful week at work, actually. So um, we had a couple contract renewals. So it was a lot of work. It was, I felt like I had to put more, more, work into this uh, renewal than I did my own dissertation just because I had to do research and a lot of statistics and everything. So I was, ugh, it was overwhelming. But the good thing is that I, we submitted it today. So I was able to take a deep breath and I'm probably going to grab a, gra- a glass of wine after this just to relax. But it was a really good effort um, with my team and everybody. And it, it was a good, uh, overall, a good submission. Mm-hmm. Anytime there's contracts, that's a big deal (laughs) yes that's right so is that a struggle that led to a shine yes it was a struggle that led to the shine and I was super impressed by how we were able to work as a team to get it done Mm -hmm. so that was like the biggest shine for me is that the willingness to collaborate and to be able to help each other out especially when there's we're different minds different people different moods especially Mm -hmm. with what everything's going but we were able to work together for a single mission so it was beautiful Awesome. So I'll go next and then we'll kick it to La Estrella. Uh, Let's see. I think for me, sometimes I get into these uh, like weird, like I can't get good sleep. You ever get that where you just like wake up? I've been waking up every day for the last week, like at 3 a.m. or actually 3.31 a.m. sharp every day in the last few days. Isn't that weird? I don't know what to make of it. But then it's just that like, so when my sleep gets disrupted, it's just like, it's hard to get through the week. So just being super real, like I did have a rough week because of my sleep and I had like weird dreams. So I'm wondering like, am I suppressing stress? Right. Or I I know like this is a really big time in the semester where it's go, go, go for my work. Um, And it's like, you don't really get a chance to slow down or so I'm telling myself, maybe I need to like give myself that permission to slow down. So I'm actually, I had a pre-planned day off this week um, that I'm taking. So yeah, that was my shine is just letting myself, uh, allow myself to build in rest. How about you? (laughs) You deserve it, Sirena. Yes. Um, I guess I probably should have gone first because I have the same one basically. So Um, just like I'm exhausted, right? I haven't been able to sleep, you know, very well. My kids wake me up at night and sometimes I can't go, um, back to sleep. And, you know, there was a lot going on, like we're, you know, was planning for this episode. Um, we're going to be, um, having a conversation with the folks over at Ollie next week and prepping Mm -hmm. for that. Um, I was co-hosting my sister-in-law's, um, baby shower and plan helping to plan that. And I was just exhausted and I was like overwhelmed and thought, oh my God, this is too much. Um, but my shine is that I took advantage on one of those nights. I, my mind was just, my little undiagnosed ADHD mind was just going. And I was like, I need to write, I need to write. So I started writing and yeah, I feel like, you know, um, obviously when you journal, when you write, it's very like the desahogas, right? Like you just release and it feels so good to do that. And it, and it was actually about something um, 
that was positive. Um, it was actually about my brother. I had been thinking about a lot about him lately. And, I, you know, I, I'm just kind of writing my experience, you know, with having him as my brother and kind of what his story was, right, based from mm. based on my perspective. So That's amazing. Yeah. How did you feel after you finished writing? Uh, like that. <laughs> like I yeah. just sighed and I was just like, oh, I feel like I can kind of let it go. Um as, as most of you know, um, and Dr. Jaime, I don't, I don't know if you listened to one of our previous episodes, but my brother passed late last year. And so kind of, you know, been going through that grief cycle and, you know, it's just constant and never ending, right? Just when you think mm-hmm. you're like, oh, I'm feeling better. I'm feeling good. Something comes up and it just bring things, brings things up to the, to the surface. And it's kind of hard to get through your day to day, right? It's kind of hard to mm-hmm. focus on you know, work that, um, you're not really even passionate about, right? Like my day job, right? Um, mm-hmm. don't let my manager hear this, <laughs> um, but writing is just something that I love. I feel like I'm speaking my truth and like, I'm finally able to let it out instead of just holding it all in. So it's just a lot of relief and just peace and freedom that comes along with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I completely love just like journaling as much as possible. I've recently gotten into not a vlog, but more of like a memo to myself. So I record memos on my phone, just how I'm feeling. And then the next day I listen to it and then I write down like my reflection oh, of like I what that. I listen to myself. Mm-hmm. So I can always like, and I put it away. So it's kind of like I lock it down for a day to remind myself that whatever I'm feeling today is not going to be what I'm feeling tomorrow. And that way I reflect myself and I listen to it that way. But something about writing and just reflecting is beautiful. Absolutely. And then hearing yourself, you know, repeat those things and then seeing kind of where you're at. Am I still in that mindset (laughs) or am I already through that? Right. And kind of like, oh, this is this is how I felt. And even like the tone of the voice, the voice that you had. Right. Like Mm -hmm. the highs and the low pitches. And yeah. I love that. I think I'm going to steal that from you. <laughs> Go for it. And then I do that when I'm trying to make a big decision too, because I, I have ADHD and one of my things is um, spontaneous like actions. So I'll do things because I feel it feels good. Mm-hmm. So I need to t- take a step back. I record myself and then I listen to it to the next day. And then I'm like, okay, um, am I just being dramatic or was this actually a good idea? You know, <laughs> it's like, should I, should I really buy seven zebra fish and like get a salt tank or am I like just crazy today? You know? <laughs> Yeah, that's my life. Yeah, because sometimes you do have to talk yourself down from those crazy things, especially like purchases. I'm totally mm-hmm. like that, like trigger finger, right? Impulse, oh, yeah, definitely. Lack of impulse control. <laughs> so I like that. Mm-hmm. And then like especially trying to open up like new hobbies or whatnot. I'm, I'm crazy. I'm one of those people that if you get if mm-hmm. I like something, I want to purchase everything of it and then I overdo it like if you look at my closet, I have a bunch of yarn when I wanted to do crocheting and then like knitting. And then I um, I have a bunch of like half woven scarves and sweaters and like, and then I mm-hmm. see, you see diamond paintings and then half diamond paintings. That, it depends on the temporada, you know? <laughs> but, so you kind of have to stop yourself and do self, uh, self-regulation. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, absolutely. That's so funny. <laughs> when I was doing my nails, like I would be like, do I want to buy all 50 of the nail polish <laughs> colors or do I just pause because you're not going to do your nails like in two weeks? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely. That's so funny. <laughs> well, speaking of doing things, right, that kind of help us um, unload, you know, release the salgarnos. Um, like writing and journaling, those are all really great um, uh, audio journaling as well. Thank you for for sharing that with our listeners, Dr. Jaime. Um, I think that kind of takes is a good little segue to get us into our topic that we're here to talk about today. Um, So before we start, Dr. Jaime, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, who you are, your work, and how you relate to the topic of suicide? Yeah. Um, so my name is Dr. Jaime Regosa, and I have been working in the social work and mental health field for the past 10, 11 years. Try not to edge, age myself right now, but I've been in, I've been in it for a while. Um, and I started off with uh, doing case management for foster youth at first. And from there, I transitioned into homeless services, domestic violence, um, shelters, and uh, substance abuse counseling, and then I'm now into parent education, and I and I work with uh, pretty much all of the populations I did before, but now they're parents, so <laughs> it's a mixture of everything. Yeah. Um, but in my relation to suicide, it actually becomes more personal. So for me, um, my f- I attempted suicide twice um, growing up. So the first time for me, and fortunately, both of them were unsuccessful. Um, so the first time I was 16 years old and it's when I started thinking, am I gay? Am I not gay? What's weird? I grew up in a very Catholic family and it was intense just because I was like a pastor boy. We went to Saturday and Sunday Mm -hmm. church. We would pray every single day. Um, I was in the middle of starting my confirmation. So it was just an intense time. And I started having these impure thoughts as they tell you when you're, you know, Mm -hmm. a, a Catholic and I just didn't want to deal with it. So I tried to essentially take some pills that I saw and I saw like in the medicine cabinet and I just tried to take all of them at once and I knocked out, but I woke up the next morning. So I took that as a sign. Maybe this is not, you know, what it's supposed to be. And as when you're young, you really don't know. I ended up taking like a mixture of Tums with like, uh, like uh, <laughs> Tylenol. So not to make fun of it, but mm. you know, um, in my eyes, that was my attempt when I was young. Um, my second attempt was when I was a lot older, I was in college and I was 20. I had just broken up with my ex-girlfriend and the way she broke up with me was she told me, it's time that you come out of the closet now. So it was an interesting um, kind of like she knew before I knew and I had to get that that that, um, that feeling. And mm-hmm. I just got a lot of overwhelm and I didn't know, like I didn't understand it. And I tried it like I, tr- I went um, back in the day and I, you know, messed around with a guy for the first time. I felt so sick in the stomach because I felt so guilty because I've always was told that it was so unnatural. And that's when I said, you know what, I'm going to try this a little bit more. Um, I can't, I can't handle this. Like, I just can't live this life. You know, this is not the life for me. I'm going to disappoint everybody. I'm going to lose everyone. Mm -hmm. And I, that time I took a bunch more pills, like a lot more pills. Um, 
I believe it was like whole bottle, like half a bottle of like of Tino. So definitely knocked me out for a day and a half. I woke up um, and I went to the doctor, checked me out. Doctor said, you're very lucky that nothing happened. Like your body just like processed it. Like technically this is not a normal thing to do. Like you're very, mm-hmm. very lucky. And at that point, like the reason I even went was because one of my room, my, my housemates at the time noticed and then that's they like took me to the hospital. So after that, um, they forced me into counseling. I got therapy. I worked. I worked everything out, and I was able to essentially get through it um, and accept myself for who I was. And I then vowed that from this point on, I'm trying. I'm gonna try to help people that go through these thoughts, mm-hmm. either because they're part of the LGBT or just because they don't know how to accept themselves. I think. I like identity like we all struggle with identif- trying to accept who we are whether you're straight, gay, black, white, Asian, Hispanic. I think there's something that sometimes society tells us you're not normal and you shouldn't be that way. And it makes the world that's it's already really hard to live in a little bit harder because you have those self-doubts, those self-hatred inside you. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that with us, Dr. Jaime. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure we have a lot of listeners that that resonates with, um, including myself. You know, I I had my own attempt when I was 16 um, after a huge fight, you know, with my brother and um, and my mom. And I just closed the door in my room and I think I had a pocket knife or something. And I just I was trying to like slip my wrist essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, like you said, for me, I, I'm glad that I wasn't successful, you know, and I really scared my mom a lot and she forced me as well into therapy, but then they were trying to get me meds and I didn't like how they were making me feel and not really any talk therapy. It was more of a psychiatrist conversation with the psychiatrist that wanted to prescribe me medication or did prescribe mm-hmm. me medication. Um, but I still had no one else to talk to. So I think the fact that your friends pushed you to get that therapy to someone with someone that you can talk through things with, um, unpack things with, and really realize where some of those things were coming from, right? Some of those mm-hmm. thoughts that you were having and knowing that it wasn't you, mm-hmm. which I think is is really important. Um, and are you yeah. still you know, in therapy at this point in your life? Oh yeah, me and my therapist are like we're like super str- <laughs> super 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 connected. Um, I feel sometimes he's like, okay, I'm ready for today's gossip. No, nah, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> no, but we. I just like sauce. to do. I know, right? <laughs> what do you want to hear now? <laughs> I like back then. I used to go like once or twice a week. It was like I I felt like I needed that safety blanket because I just had so many emotions and no one to really talk to about it. Like I'm, I'm a, I'm, I grew up Hispanic, you know, Hispanic and Catholic. Two things mm-hmm. that you l- learn in the household is we don't show weakness, so you don't talk about your problems, mm-hmm. and you keep it inside the house, so you don't talk to anybody else. Right. So, and you can't because, be gay. Yeah, and you can't be gay. No, that's like not even like an option. So right. it's just like it's a, it's a lot of um, things that are ingrained in you. So I had to reprogram myself slowly and. So I remember the first couple sessions, 
I was telling therapists, that's not right. You're wrong. Like, what are you talking about? Like, no, that's not the way life is. And he's like, you need to open your eyes. You need to be open to different possibilities. Your normal is not the normal of everybody else. You know, Mm -hmm. like your sense of normal has been corrupted. And to give you a little bit more backstory, I grew up in a very domestically violent home. So my dad was uh, very controlling of my mother. He would get very aggressive, like punch holes in the walls, uh, throw things out, yell. And it was because of that, there's a lot of different things that really kind of make you, you, when you're young, you observe and you learn all these, Mm -hmm. these habits, you know, whether you're aware of them or not. So when you're older, you're, there's a lot of things that you have to rewire and you won't know until somebody points it out. So if you don't talk about them, then how are yeah. you supposed to know what to fix? There's a very good saying that I've learned. You can never re- – you're, think you're a jar of yourself as a jar. You can never read your own label because you're inside – you're the jar. So you need somebody mm-hmm. else to help you read what your label says. Mm-hmm. So unless you talk to other people, you socialize and you ask the question, how are you supposed to get the answer? We're just going to yeah. be li- living the life that we are, but not knowing what our label is. Mm-hmm. Or the possibilities. Mm-hmm. Because I imagine you didn't get the message that you are even worth, you know, the work to have joy and healing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, that I'm not, you know, I, I hear the layers that you were living in. And none of that was about prioritizing your wellness. So when your wellness was at risk, you weren't even able to see that that needed attention. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And absolutely. And I think I, that's I, very common in Latino families, right? And the Latino yeah, family. like you just don't ask, don't tell. It's not that serious. Yeah. It's not you know just and, get over it. And don't be a burden. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how that crosses over into suicidal thoughts, that can be a catalyst of suicide because that's the whole point, right? Oh, I don't want to be a burden to everyone. So me being gone will make that happen. Um, Mm -hmm. And our families tell us don't be a burden in other ways, you know, like don't Mm -hmm. make a big, you know, ruffle feathers, just stay quiet. Um, I feel like all of that are catalysts for somebody with suicidal thoughts. Yeah. And you, you get sucked into your own world. It's really, it's, I don't want to say it's easy, but it definitely, when you have one like negative thought, like one ant inside your head, it doubles super quickly. Mm. Like you have a swarm in your head of negative thoughts just swarming around if you don't do something about it, especially like it always makes me afraid when I bump into like colleagues that are males or even females or just people that are always quiet and never say anything. And I always tell people, tell me something, even if it's something bad or something good, just like, let me know what's going on in that head because like silence and just like never speaking and not socializing sometimes is worry. Cause that's how I was. Mm-hmm. I would quiet myself and I would not say anything. So it's, you have like you, I try to always talk to someone like my goal whenever I'm in public and I like to take myself on self dates. I'll go to Starbucks. I'll go eat dinner or something yes, if I'm, and I'll sit I by myself. That. And if I see somebody else who's sitting alone, I go over and I'm like, do you mind if I join you? And then I'll just have a random conversation with them. And I've learned, I've met so many wonderful people. And sometimes I've helped people that, you know, were going through something and didn't have anybody else to go through. And I wow. wish somebody would have done that when I was like outside, because if somebody would have done that to me, Maybe it wouldn't got into the point where I got. Yeah, you've become who you needed. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, amazing. And I think uh, for the most part, uh, a lot of us do, right? A lot of us that are in therapy, that are doing the work, we become mm-hmm. who we needed as a kid or who we needed mm-hmm. as that mm-hmm. angsty teenager going through who knows what, right? Because as teenagers, you you go through a lot already through that process and then add all of the different layers of the dynamics of your family, um, your culture, uh, your religion, what those beliefs um, kind of tell us that how we have to be. And so it's hard. Like, who are you going to go to, right? You can't mm-hmm. go to your tia or your tios or your primos would probably also make fun of you. Um, I know mm-hmm. my cousins were, it was rough <laughs> with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's hard, you know, and, and um, I'm really glad that, that you're able to, to share that with us now. And I'm so glad that you're still in therapy. I know I'm still in therapy. Mm-hmm. Sirena's in therapy. Mm-hmm. Like we all need therapy and they mm-hmm. need to just mm-hmm. make it free across the board because everybody needs it, especially when there's a lot of trauma and physical, verbal, emotional, mental abuse. Exactly. And what I recommend to everybody that I come across to is think of a car. You don't wait. I mean, I hope you don't wait until you get the little blinker saying that you need to change your oil. But like, Mm -hmm. you know, you have to be preventative. Know when there's Mm -hmm. like every three months or once you reach a certain mileage, go and change your oil. Same thing after like a quarter every three months or even six months, do a check-in appointment with your therapist. You may not realize how much you actually have to let go or work through until you're there. Why wait until your body starts having a breakdown, you start having like other types mm-hmm. of symptoms to get to that point. Be preventative, you know, don't yeah. like intervention is okay. Like once you're there, then yeah, intervene and do it. But the more preventative you can take care of yourself, the better kind of like, why do we go to doctor visits like once or twice a year just for a checkup? Why mm-hmm. is that so normalized, but not our mental health? That's something mm-hmm. you also have to do. So do set an appointment every six months just to do a check-in even if it's for an hour with your therapist. And if you go in and everything comes out fine, then cool, you're good. But if yeah. not, you know, sometimes we go through things and we just don't, we suppress it. I think that's the biggest piece there is that so much of us do suppress the struggles that we're going through because we've internalized the message, mm-hmm. you know, um, I should be able to get through this. There's probably people that hurt more than me, mm-hmm. you know, um, or we've talked to people and it hasn't been helpful So then you keep it to yourself. I think who we surround ourselves with is everything. And Mm -hmm. I learned that thankfully early. (laughs) I've always been picky about who is in my circle. But it usually has been people I can intellect with who can go and unpack things alongside me who are authentic. um, And not that we're toxic positivity kind of approach, but at least... But folks that also like to problem solve, like I admire the problem and then I do something about it, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I always say, even if you can't get to a therapist, like just talking to someone about something that's on your mind, even if it's yes. just one slice, um, just to get it out. And then you said it, Dr. Hyman, like maybe even putting it out there in draft mode so that someone can help you edit the story mm-hmm. um, and check your script. And then after you hear someone else's perspective, you might say, okay, well, that helps <laughs> to think about it that way. Um, yes, a little bit of know. a check and balance, you know. 
Mm-hmm. Exactly. You, you always have to, um, sur- like you said, Sirena, really surround yourself with people that you feel like you don't have to suffer in silence with. Mm-hmm. Because I think that is really common. Um, I know, you know, it, that's been my experience. And I don't know if it's because of my upbringing or, you know, being a woman in a patriarchal society, um, being an immigrant, having immigrant parents, like all of that. Right. And so and and after I became a mom, like I was just going through it and it was in the middle of the pandemic. So it made it even harder because I couldn't actually really see people. And community is really collective healing for all of us. So mm-hmm. definitely be very, very picky about who you let in your in your space and who you let share your energy with um, all of that, because it all is going to end up affecting our mental health, you know, whether we, we're noticing it actively or not. Yeah. So I guess I want to pose this question to both of you. Um, what do you feel that are some risk factors to um, suicide? I think to our, what we're kind of saying is sometimes we don't even know that we're already heading down that path um, and or minimize the signs even to ourselves. So I want to start with like personal signs, right? And then maybe even go out to if you're an observer of somebody that's thinking of suicide, what are the signs? But what do you feel like people should start checking in about signs for themselves? For me, I think if you're if you're doing a self check for yourself, it's the signs of hopelessness, like where you feel like I should just give up. Like, what's the point of me doing this? Like, I'm just so tired, you know, and physically and mentally, like you're burnt out. You feel like you have no other option. Things are getting very um, to the point where you're closing yourself off from people. You're isolating yourself. You're isolating yourself from solutions. And you catch yourself thinking more on the negative side and the and the more like pessimistic side of things. Mm-hmm. So if you start saying like, "I can't do this," I've tr- like I just can't get that promotion. I can't, you know, get the love, of, find the love of my life. I can't do things like, "What's the point?" I'm just so tired. I wait, and then when you start having those intrusive thoughts that you know a lot of people play around with. Um, on social media, I see all these people just joke around with. But if you have those intrusive thoughts where like, what if I just, you know, crash? Or what if I just, or you're looking down a hill. I wonder what would happen if I just like jumped off. Like those are like big, big indicators that should be trigger warnings for yourself. Especially if it's happening more frequently, then that can potentially you being like thinking of a plan. So mm-hmm. like, at least for yourself, those should be like really bad red flags. Maybe I should actually talk somebody talk about this about to someone. That's huge. Just being able to say, okay, I'm hearing or I'm seeing these signs. Um, because I think sometimes people don't recognize that. And you said it, it could even be a small moment of what if I just drive into traffic, right? That's definitely Mm -hmm. a flag like, okay, it is time for me to talk to someone because I probably, I I should not be having those thoughts. We shouldn't should on ourselves, but at least we can say like having those thoughts is not where I probably want to be as a person, 
you know, I think we all are committed to our thriving. And so when we're not thriving, that's a huge red flag. But what about you, Lastrea? What do you think yeah, are some um, risk signs? Well, I feel like Dr. Jaime kind of covered, I think, a lot of what is, I would say, a little bit more easy to, to spot, um, right? But I would, before I say, um, like, my, my perspective on it, I also think it's important to also normalize that those suicidal ideations mm -hmm. don't necessarily mean that you are suicidal. They don't mean that, you know, you're going to go, you know, tomorrow and, and take a bunch of pills or you're going to try to do something else. Um, sometimes it's just your internal, like, alarm saying something is off. We need help. And maybe it's just you're in a rut, you're burnt out. There's a lot going on, you know, in society. There's there could be going on um, a lot going on in, in within our own families, as you know, most Latino families are very fueled by drama and generational trauma. So, I also think it's important that we normalize that, right? Because I know I've had this conversation with my older sister, where I've told her that I've had these ideations, right? Like even, you know, not too long ago, a couple of years ago, when, when I had my, my youngest son, um, a few months after that, when I lost my job, you know, but I knew I got to a point where I was like, okay, I don't want to not be here. Like, I don't want to unalive myself, but like, sometimes I just wish I could just close my eyes and like, that would be it, you know, because yeah. It, it just feels really hard sometimes. And I think that's the biggest signal. That's yeah. the biggest signal for someone maybe that's not even fully aware or maybe mm -hmm. isn't in therapy, hasn't ever been to therapy, doesn't have the language to under, you know, to kind of verbalize exactly what it is that's going on with them. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, Dr. Jaime, that that's a really good call out on, like, even if you're noticing on somebody else, if they're starting to, like, not come out as much you know, we're on social media a lot. I know I, I have a bunch of different um, chat threads on Instagram with my friends and we send each other memes and funny stuff and sometimes check in with each other. And if we notice that someone hasn't been responding for a while, it's like, hey, maybe, like, let's check in on them. Let's check in on each other. Um, hey, how's it going? Like for me, um, you know, one, one of my cousins um, who I'm closest to, um, she, we, we both kind of have had a similar path in that sense of like, you know, having suicidal thoughts and ideations and actually feeling like wanting to go through with it. And so I know with her, like we support each other in that sense. So sometimes she's like, I'm in a great space right now. And like my energy is in a good place and I'm, I'm, I'm feeling my higher self, you know, like I, I'm good. I'm where I'm supposed to be. But, you know, we all, we're always going to have our dips back down because healing is a lifelong journey. And, you know, we all mm -hmm. know that you're, it, it's something that comes up and you have to kind of work through that. But it gets easier each time, I would say. But just checking in on each other. We check in on each other. And, um, you know, she called me actually a, a few weeks ago and she was just before that. She had been on a really great, in a really great place mentally, emotionally. She's been working very hard on herself, going to therapy and things like that. 
but then you know um she called and and i knew that she was in a bad place not the bad place but you know in a bad Mm -hmm. place um and so you know i listened to her and i reminded her of who she was and everything that she's already persevered everything that she's already been through and how resilient she's she is and I know when I when I have friends and you know family who um, I feel comfortable doing this with like I'll reach out and I always try to find a quote or you know um, a video or something that reminds them of their power Mm -hmm. something that reminds them like I'm that bitch you know like (laughs) I know I just forgot for a little bit or you know, for some of us who get our periods, this happens on a monthly basis sometimes, but you know, not on, not always to the extreme, but you're like, okay, like I am that bitch, you know, I'm just hormonal or, you know, you're, you're going through whatever things happen that can really trigger a downward spiral. Right. But catching that and like, just being aware of yourself and doing that work and going to therapy, like I can't, express how important that really is for us and just having a space where where you feel like you can say anything and not be judged is so important for all of us to have I think yeah thank you I think you're going into a good segue of like what does that healing space look like how do you work in solutions and steps Mm -hmm. Dr. Jaime yeah I think in just to add on a little bit what you said, mm-hmm. you just reminded me of a statistic. So I, one of my things that I nerd out about and one of my study that I focus in my dissertation was generational differences. Mm-hmm. So there was an interesting study that just came out a few months ago and where they mentioned that each generation has a different friend style and that's mm-hmm. most common. So Generation X is one of those people that were going out and going unexpectedly to the people's homes and just showing up without mm-hmm. permission and just walk in and make themselves at home. So there's little people that created the, you know, my, my friend is family. You don't really know. That's my uncle. That's my aunt. But they're just friends. But they became family because of how often they're there. Generation Y went to a more is- isolated approach. Millennials are the ones that hang out every once or twice a year. And then every single time when they like end their session or that little get together, they're the ones that say, I wish we could do this more often. And then they never do. Mm. And then they're the ones that are just the way they communicate is by sending memes or TikToks to each other. And that's their their, their (laughs) check-in. Versus Generation Z, they're the ones who, um, they're a lot more intimate. They are the ones that are not afraid to show affection. They're not afraid to just hug, say, I love you. And they are the ones that FaceTime each other in silence and they just do activities, but they're FaceTiming each other or they'll go and hang out with each other and do absolutely nothing, but they're just there with their presence. And the fascinating thing is that generation, our millennials, our generations are the ones who struggle the most with making connections. And we're the ones that that have been reported that feel the most isolated compared to other generations. So with that, one of the solutions that I recommend is reach out to your friends, set reminders to yourself. Mm -hmm. Even if it is, if, even if you're that, that TikToker that likes to send TikToks to people, you know, the, the, the chain, make it, um, make it a point in your day to send a TikTok that 
make somebody laugh or something you're like, hey, that that video was something that I related, then send it to the person and then ask a question mm-hmm. after. Oh, did you like that? Did you, how are you? How are you doing? You know, don't just send the video, yes. like ask a question and really make it a point to check in on your friends at least once a week or one like if most every other week if you can't if you're busy but mm-hmm. set reminders for people but really try to co- make that connection so you don't feel as alone so uh dr hyman what i want to add to that is in my work with clients that was one of the most effective ways that they would work towards the healing is changing up who they were with when they were with people who were not supportive who didn't see them. They just really struggled because they were just trying to fight to be heard. Um, And then when they started changing up the scene, maybe there was a really genuine friend that they really weren't leaning into. Now they're leaning into them. Like just changing up who they were with changed everything. I don't know if you have anything to say about that. Yeah, I completely agree. And I feel comfortable saying this now. I wouldn't so if you a few years ago, but there was a moment in my life actually at the beginning of the pandemic where I had to cut ties with people that I have known for 15 plus years because mm-hmm. I did the reflection and I realized that they weren't making me happy. I was keeping them around because of costumbre, because they've always been there mm-hmm. because I was taught that, you know, family is everything and you have to keep family. But I, I made that executive decision. If this person isn't bringing me happiness, this person isn't, you know, like supporting me and, you know, wanting me to have a good life, then why am I keeping them there? There's this um, phenomenon that I learned. I don't know if either one of you know about the crab effect, where you put a bunch of crabs inside a bucket. Oh. And if you put at least two or three crabs, when one tries to escape, the other crabs actually pull them down. So they never put a lid on the bucket because the crabs themselves will self-sabotage themselves. If I can't get out of this bucket, you can't either. So you can put as many crabs as you want and they will keep crabbing each other and none of them will escape. So sometimes we are in that bucket and we surround ourselves with negative people that will bring us down because Mm -hmm. they feel bad. So they want to bring you down at their level. So you really have to ask yourself, are the people that I'm around rising me or are they bringing me down? to not succeed emotionally, success, like in your career, with your relationship. And those are the ones that either you have to have a sit down and talk with them and let, and have a communication with them to see if you can fix the relationship or you have to, you know, cut mm-hmm. the tie. Yeah. Those friendship breakups, those are tough too. Mm-hmm. Or even family, right? Yeah. If you start realizing, and I think a lot of people, this happened during the pandemic, right? Because we had no choice but to sit with our own thoughts and our own everything, right? With ourselves, with our demons, we we couldn't hide, we couldn't run away, we couldn't do anything. So a lot of us, I feel like that was kind of like the silver lining that came out of the pandemic, mm-hmm. which was we became a lot more aware and many of us realized I need help. And I should, you know, I, I should, I should probably go to therapy or I should probably seek some type of counseling or coaching mm-hmm. because, you know, it's, it's tough to go through things on your own. And mm-hmm. I feel like a lot, you know, there was a lot of divorces during the pandemic and, and, you know, a lot of people cut ties with family members or with longtime mm-hmm. friends because they were like, 
we're just not aligning anymore. Our views don't align. I've, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm growing, I'm evolving. And, and s- some of them that we have to cut out of our lives, want, they're stuck and they're comfortable in that same place, in that same toxic mm-hmm. place. Because it's comfortable, right? Yeah. Like you said, Dr. Jaime, um, como dice el dicho, la costumbre es más fuerte que el amor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's really hard for us to stop certain habits we just are so ingrained in doing it and we really have to ask ourselves like is this habit or this relationship really healthy for me and if you Mm -hmm. really don't know the answer to that question then maybe you need to get somebody from the outside perspective go to that therapist and really reflect to see if that relationship is good for you or not absolutely that's a great tip that just to look around, who are you even surrounding yourself with? And are you a crab in a barrel? Get out of that barrel. <laughs> Go be a dolphin. I see all the dolphins always swimming with each other and jumping. <laughs> Go and get out and get a different friend group. Absolutely. And that is actually natural as we get older and go through different life stages. Um, so, you know, I just, I wonder also how do we talk about this with our families? We all grow up in Latino families. Um, and I feel like this topic is so taboo. How, what do we tell listeners who really do need to talk to somebody or let their family know? And they're just worried they won't be understood. There's something that I always do with my mom. And I've applied this in so many different areas of my life. But I go, I go up to, whenever I meet with her and we have dinner or lunch or whatever. Um, like, ¿cómo estás? How are you? And then the regular answer, fine, todo bien, mijo. Everything's fine. You know, nothing's wrong. Like, everything's good. Then then I pause and then I'm like, okay, how really are you? Like, what's going on? Like, we haven't seen each other for a couple weeks, couple months. Something's been, you know, things must have occurred. So how really are you? And then that's when the real conversation starts. Like, just even the power of asking the question twice and just like, listen and then just stay paused until they actually tell you something Mm. I think that's powerful um you know I've actually had to ask a family member who when I was talking with them it was despair and I was like I'm gonna ask you something and it's from love do you um are you thinking about suicide are you thinking about hurting yourself? Because everything you just shared with me, that's a lot. And honestly, they said yes. It was like saying it out loud in a, in a private space. Uh, just, I don't know. They said yes. I was surprised at what they were able to offer me back. And they said, thank you for telling me. And, you know, I... Dr. Hyman, I actually met at a suicide and, uh, training, but uh, we've worked in this prior that we do have some skills uh, for this conversation. That's why I was able to ask. But I do recommend if you if you care about this topic, but you're not sure how to help, I would definitely encourage people to go and get um, either QPR training or assist training, um, but something to help you guide yourself to be able to ask that question. I think that we don't ask the question enough and we skirt around it, um, but we are seeing the signs and we know it. We just don't know how to ask. And, and something I want to add on to that, don't think, like one of the biggest taboo like thoughts is that by 
speaking it, it means that you're going to implant the seed in their head. If they already had that thought, it's not going to make it worse. It's better to bring it to light and talk about it so that you can go through things. I was told uh, a saying that a lot of people try to avoid confrontation and issues and talking about these type of difficulties because they try to go under the issue. They try to go over the issue, but that's not the way we get through things. We go through issues in order to get through the situation. So you have to bring it up in order for you to go through it. Absolutely. So we go through things, not you don't just get over things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And another thing to add, if you think someone needs help and you don't have access to a therapist because you don't have insurance or you just don't know where to go and you just need immediate help, there's there's a national line called um, National uh, Mental Health Crisis Line. And all you have to dial is 988. It's kind of like 911, but it's 988. It's 24-7. You can always just um, dial it and they'll have crisis line um, and, like counselors available to, um, for you just to talk or text. Mm. 988. That's great. Yeah. I recently mm-hmm. had heard about that too. And I'm, I'm, I think that's a really great start um, for us when it comes to mental health and like checking in um, mm-hmm. and then opening up. You know, there's also the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, or I don't know if it's linked to now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would also say, you know, if there's someone, at least one person, sometimes there isn't anybody, but sometimes there's at least one person that you feel like you can call and or reach out to. And sometimes it's uncomfortable, right? Like, hey, I'm struggling, but you can just try to push yourself, even though it's hard. I know, trust me, I have been there many times. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I probably will keep going down that, you know, that cycle over and over again, until it gets easier and easier and better and better Mm -hmm. and quicker to get out of them. Right. But like, hey, how's it going? Or, you know, just just anything, anything to kind of break the ice and start the conversation. And, you know, if if you feel more comfortable with waiting for someone to once you reach out for them to be like, oh, how are you? Oh, I'm, I'm not too well. Or finding a phrase or something that feels more comfortable. But, you know, I do think that we don't normalize these conversations enough, right? Yeah. So that's why many people are really uncomfortable to even talk about it. So, you know, I think it's important for us to recognize that it's a discomfort and that in order to break through that, we need to be uncomfortable. We need to feel that. And it is important because most people, and I cannot remember the statistic off the top of my head, most people do not actually want to follow through with suicide. And that's where that big gap right there, that hope that mm-hmm. it's a lot of times it's just, I just don't want to do this. And and I think that's a tool I personally use because for me, I really do struggle with um, routine and consistency. Um, and so it affects me in different ways, like my health, my weight, like trying to get on top of that. And then I get to these hopeless places, helpless. I don't want to do this. If I just didn't wake up tomorrow, it would be easier. Mm-hmm. And then I remember, you know, I think you just don't want to go through the struggle with the 
consistency thing. I think you do want to be here. And then I remind myself, you know, these are the reasons I want to live. These I have millions of reasons to live, but this thing here is just so hard and I can't get a hold of it. So I also think that people that live with PTSD, ADHD, uh, sometimes with autism or Asperger's where you're just like, why can I not get like relationships or uh, just, like there are things that people go through first and then the side, like the outcome is, I just don't want to do this, but they do want to live. They just don't want to go through that struggle all the time. And that's where I say talking to people, um, accessing resources and normalizing that that's sometimes is just a space you are in. Like, I just don't want to be here right now. But I love your idea, actually, Dr. Hyman. Record yourself. Capture that moment. Come back to it the next day because our, our emotions do come in waves and they also go in waves. And so it's sort of like learning to surf, learning to ride those waves. And you, and you said it right there. Life is made of moments. A lot of the times we think that this is the end all, that this is like my whole life. This is the like what it's come down to. But just as many bad moments as we have, we have good moments. So if you're in that turmoil where you're in that mood, then take a second to think about the good moments that you've had thus far. Even that, mm -hmm. if, even if you can't really think that far out, just like that week or that day, you know, there's always something good that could occur if we look at it. Yeah, I recently mm -hmm. heard about glimmers. Mm -hmm. So it's just like the opposite of triggers, right? So Aww. yeah, like looking at the things throughout your day that bring you joy. I love that. That bring you glimmers. That, yes, and I loved it. Like I've heard it a couple of times already. I just saw it today too, I think on Instagram. And I was like, I really love that. Like, yes, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to focus on good, the good things and the things that bring me joy throughout the day and give myself grace on the days that I don't feel my best and tell myself and know that, Hey, this isn't going to last forever. And right. this isn't me. I'm just, I have to get, I have to face this. I have to feel it. I have to sit in it mm. for, in order to get through it. Right. Uh, Dr. Hyman, like you said, like you have to work through it. You can't skip, skip over it, jump over mm -hmm. it. Cause it's going to keep coming back around. Yeah. Okay, girl. Those are some sexy uh, stress tolerance <laughs> skills right there. Okay. <laughs> mm -hmm. Stabs. Well, speaking of glimmer, uh, we're talk we're gonna talk about unicorns for one second <laughs> as we wrap up our episode. Um, Dr. Jaime, you also have your own podcast. Um, tell us a little bit about that as we uh, wrap up in our last minute. Yeah. So uh, my podcast, if you liked what you hear today, feel free to listen to me and my guests on there. Um, it's uh, called Finding the Unicorn in You. So with that one, it we share raw stories, unscripted stories that our guests have, where they really just talk about like the struggles that they've gone through, and how they per like persevered through those struggles to get to the unicorn status that they are today. Mm -hmm. uh, I truly believe that every single person has a unicorn inside them. They have a talent. They have an aspiration. They have a motivation to do better. But sometimes we need to get reminded that it's there. Mm -hmm. uh, I think like like they said, sometimes there's a lot of triggers that suppress it, but we need to get those glimmers out and really mm -hmm. put ourselves out there. So I, I invite you to check it out and really uh, see what lessons you can learn from all the guests. And we have amazing guests that uh, 
some of these stories just truly inspire me every single time. Like not to be narcissistic, but I listen to them all the time. Like I re-listen to them when I'm feeling down because I was like, I know I really need to hear that lesson today. But um, yeah. but feel free. Finding the unicorn in you. Mm-hmm. Okay, we are that. good. Yes, I love that too. And uh, we're going to definitely share that information with our listeners when we do our I- IG rollout of this. And so hopefully, listeners, you have another podcast to add to your queue <laughs> yes. on your way to work, on your way home, when you just need to remind yourself that you are a unicorn, mm-hmm. not a crab. today we're not crabs (laughs) never (laughs) well thank you so much everybody for joining us on this um topic like i said i couldn't think of two people better that to talk about this with that really get it and just um the care and love that you provide yourselves and your community um and i think we all are working towards healing together as Latinos, because again, our we need to be here. Our existence is resistance. It is so important we keep each other healthy Absolutely. and thriving. Mm-hmm. So stay tuned for our next episode, gente. Share your stories with us about your perseverance through um, suicide or um, maybe even if you need some resources, reach out. We're happy to share with you. And um, much love for tonight. Everybody go and take care of themselves. And adios. We will see you next time. Adios. Adios.